You, you can holler, you can applaud, you can scream, you can do anything you want. I can't hear you anyway. On today's episode of the Salt Lake Dirt Podcast, we have author Mike DeCapity. His latest novel, Jacket Weather, was recently released on Soft Skull Press. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Kyler Bingham. Well, yeah, Mike, thanks so much for, for talking to me today. Um, I was really excited, especially I got a copy of your book that is upcoming, Jacket Weather. And I I loved it. It's, it's totally my kind of novel. So that was um, really I'm incredible. Sp- yeah, speaking to a, a writer that I have um, deep respect for. So, yeah, thank you for being here. Sure. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And then we were just saying before we went on, um, um, a mutual friend of ours, Tony Duchesne, he's uh, he's the one who actually introduced me to your work pretty recently. So um, I'm an, I'm a newcomer, but he, he was raving about you and um, he said I need to get your first novel through the windshield as well. So I'm going to pick up a copy of that um, very, very, very soon. Um, but yeah, so I guess I should say the, the book comes out uh, October 12th. Is that correct? That's right. Okay. So um, it, it is, it's considered a novel, but it's, y- your name is in it as the, as the, as the protagonist, right? It's a novel, but yes, it's a novel using true materials. It's a novel using found materials. Um, so how did that, how did that come about? Like, I'm just always curious about the idea, the genesis of an idea for, for a, a novel or story, a film, anything, where did you like come up with this concept of, you know, basing it off you, even though it is a novel? For some reason, it never occurs to me to write a memoir, even though all the fiction I've written has been true. And, um, but it, it never occurs to me to 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 write about. It never occurs to me to write about myself. I wind up writing about myself because those are the materials that I have. At, the materials of my life are what I have at hand, um, and I don't have a facility for fiction. I don't have a facility for uh, you know inventing characters or, and I don't really feel a need to because I'm sort of feel like I'm surrounded by interesting people. And um, the the fun of putting together a novel um, it, of this type is is in what you do with those materials, how you arrange them. So really, it's the it's the form that's interesting to me. And in this case, I felt like I had a love story to write, and that immediately gave it a kind of shape, you know that. I had a place to draw the frame around my experience, uh, you know, starting off when I got together with my partner, June, and uh, I I had the idea from the beginning that this was going to be nonlinear. Everything I write is it's sort of nonlinear in a sense. This book is linear, at, meaning, you know, chronological. The events are chronological for the first um, you know, couple of months that the book covers. And after that, it becomes nonlinear and it come, it collapses 10 years of, uh, of their experience into the, into the remaining months of this. Uh, so in other words, everything that happens to them in July, in the 10 Julys that the book covers, mm-hmm falls within the July section of the book, everything that happens to them within the, uh, you know, in September, 10 years of September's takes place in the September part of the book. It feels true to my experience, just as you might remember, you you might have a memory of something that you know happened in September or you knew happened in the autumn, you don't necessarily remember what year. Mm -hmm. Sure, for sure, yeah. That's that's how the book is structured. Yeah, I I love. It. I've never really I've never read anything like that because it took it took me, you know, a minute to to catch on. I'm like, oh, he's this is what he's doing. This is so cool. Um, but I thought it was, I I just love, like kind of the short segments, um, 
And anytime I, I, I read a book that I can read fast, not that I even want to read it fast because I want to like cherish the words, but I end up reading it fast because I like it so much. And then I've talked to a lot of other writers where it's a book that, that has that effect on me. And it's, it seems like it's that those are usually the hardest books to write when I talk to the, to the author, um, just because, you know, word choice is so carefully and meticulously done. Uh, was that, was that your experience with uh, jacket weather? It is, it's very hard to write a um, it's well, it's of course hard to write simply. Um, but it's also hard to put together something like this out of, it's sort of like making a puzzle, you know, because I didn't sit down and write this paragraph and then the following paragraph and then the following paragraph, as you would, if you were telling a story, as you would, if you were following a plot that you had outlined in advance, these are all of these little segments are were written as they happened basically, or right after they happened. So it's um, maybe analogous to a painter painting outside, like a plein air painter. Um, and in fact, I sort of think of this novel as taking place all on one surface, all on one plane, like a visual, uh, like a piece of visual artwork or, a, you know, like a, um, a mosaic. Um, and so that presents its problems right it's because you have to yeah you, you have to find a place for everything and everything has to fit and it, and it matters what what one segment comes next to right mm -hmm. yeah so kind of like making a puzzle yeah no that's a that's a good way to put it i um i'm just kind of flipping through i love i think if i had to pick a favorite chunk of the book that is throughout it's the it's the guys at the, at the gym that he that he's kind of the older gentleman that he's getting yeah. uh, recipes from. So I was like, I actually was uh, taking like little pictures of some of the recipes because I'm like, oh, I got to try. <laughs> I got to try that. <laughs> um, and it just sounds it just sounded so, you know, obviously so realistic. So I guess just what we're talking about so far like this has been your experience. You go um, to the gym there and there's older older there's, guys that you kind of have conversations with like this. Yeah. There's a YMCA right around the corner from where I now live, but I was already going there before I moved into this place. And, uh, you know, eventually you get talking to these, to these old guys at the gym and, um, and you find out that mostly what they talk about is food. It's not what you would expect. You know, you would expect them to be talking about women or about sports I mean, some of them talk about sports, but the guys of a certain age are mostly talking about food. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I want to go. I want to go to that. I want to go to the YMCA there. Maybe I'll have to check out my local one. <laughs> um, I'm sure it's the awesome. same. I'm sure it's yeah. the same. It's your why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, so I want to talk just about I, I like talking about um, like a writers like when they're younger. So you're from you're from Cleveland. Grew up in Cleveland, yeah. Okay, so I'm just always curious, uh, the stuff that interests you, that kind of like led you to the path of being a writer. When you can, you look back, you see like, oh, I was, um, you know, I was writing little short stories of my own, or I, I, I loved X books and these kinds of films, different things. So, what kind of stuff kind of took took you to that path before you had maybe consciously made a decision that this is what you were going to do? Well, for one thing, my father was a novelist, Raymond Decapity. Mm -hmm. And so it's not that he encouraged me to write, but I, I grew up in, you know, in an environment where it wasn't discouraged, where, you know, I, was, creativity was encouraged rather than discouraged, which is a big break to begin with. That's a big, you know, that's a big step up already. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when I was a when I was a little kid, I, when I was a kid and when I was a teenager, I I wrote and I drew a lot. I, th I always thought I was going to be a visual artist. And you can probably see from this book that it, it sort of feels maybe like the work of a frustrated visual artist, <laughs> you know, because there's so much about the way things look. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a lot of description in the book. 
And um, eventually, I think I decided or I, I realized somehow that I had I, I had a facility for visual. I had a facility for drawing, cartooning. But I at some point it became clear to me that in order to go f- further than that facility could take me, I was really going to have to sort of start over again. And I was going to have to be, have some training and I was, it was going to involve some work. And uh, that wasn't something that I was really so interested in doing, you know, as a visual artist, whereas uh, I didn't feel like there was any limitation to me as a, as a writer, I could go as far as I wanted to, to do. I could felt, just felt I could go further as a writer. So I guess the first serious thing that I worked on was when I got out of high school, I was sort of at loose ends and a friend of my father suggested that I keep a journal. So for a year, I typed up this journal as though I were writing a novel kind of in real time. And, you know, that book probably looks a lot like everything I've written since Mm because there are bits of narrative, there's, you know, observations of the weather and the seasons, and there are, um, you know, snatches of dialogue. Uh, And then, so then when I wrote Through the Windshield, maybe that was, maybe I was in my early 20s when I started writing that book. And my only idea, I had been hanging around with this, uh, and a friend of mine who lived next door, who was a much older guy who was a gambler. So he introduced me to this side of Cleveland that I didn't really, hadn't really been aware of. Um, And we started going to the racetrack and, you know, betting baseball games and all this kind of thing. And uh, at some point I just thought I should write a book about a year on the South side, which is this neighborhood I lived in in Cleveland. It was as simple as that. But, you know, when you're, you asked me earlier about what I, uh, you know, what my idea was for this book. I think all you need is a box to put it in. It's what you need is an organizing principle, you know, as much as an idea Uh, you need a way to, uh, you need a box into which you can put everything you want to write for, you know, or that at least that's how I work. Um, so anyway, I wrote through the windshield. And again, that's a that's a um, sort of episodic novel without a plot, really. And uh, it's just about these two guys hanging around in, in, in Cleveland and going to the racetrack and going to the bookie and driving around at night and, uh, you know, sitting around in cars. <clears throat> yeah, I love I love I, those. Those are my favorite books. You know, I think like. I always have to um I want to share these kinds of books with with some of my friends some of the friends that I that I run with they just have a hard time um grasping it and I'm like what do you like what, this is this is like they the want best. a plot they yeah, want to find out what happened yeah. right <laughs> um and it's like I I think uh something like this is like the the writing has to be just so amazing um and just to have the like you know, life kind of, kind of unfold. Um, I, I don't know, just something about it, like with film and with books, like that's just my favorite. Um, well, you stuff. know, when, when you think about it, when you think about the films that you really love, mm-hmm. the films that you watch, that you can watch over and over again. I mean, really the reason that you go back to something, once you know what the plot is, once you know what happens, you can then watch it to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Right. Once you're right. not worried about what's going to happen. And the reason you go back to these things is often it, it usually doesn't have anything to do with the plot. Usually yeah. you want to spend time with those same characters again. You want there's something about the light. This is an autumnal film. This is a summer film. Um, you know, scenes between people, just scenes between people talking, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I. You know, if you throw out the plot, you have a lot more room for that stuff. Yeah, that's so true. I hadn't thought about that, but I'm just I'm just trying to like 
go back in my mind some of the films that I that I do rewatch that I have like a a Blu-ray collection of, and that I revisit like every year usually. And that's it. It's like I'm not going to be shocked by the plot. You know, I know the plot. Right. Um, I'm not. I'm not watching it for that. I'm watching it. The tension is gone if it's like a thriller. Like I know exactly what's going to happen. So, um, right. That's so well put. I love it. I love it. It's great. Um, I did want to ask you. So I know we're kind of like, uh, well, I don't know. If, I don't, it seems like we're not coming out of this pandemic thing, but, um, I'm just kind of, especially the beginning months of it in March of 2020. Um, I'm just cu- curious kind of like what was going on with you, um, you know, creatively speaking. And I, I talked to various filmmakers and writers who, who they basically had one of two, um, outcomes it was like some people they were very productive in in writing or doing whatever coming up with concepts and you know just like knocking out a lot of stuff um on their own and then other people just kind of hit a wall and were not able to produce anything or you know write that like their their schedule kind of went out the window even though they had nothing going on um i'm just curious if you're willing to share what was uh those few first months of the pandemic like for you? Well, I was in a pretty lucky position because in March of 2020, I had just found out that this book was going to be published. Hmm. So I had something to work on because there were several drafts, uh, you know, I I forget how many more, but I, I went through the book at least another couple of times and there were, you know, there were edits. And so the book was going back and forth. I had something, um, I wasn't really doing creative work. I mean, it was, you know, it's creative because it's a, because it's a novel, but it's a, it's a different part of the process from writing. Mm -hmm. Editing is different from writing. Also, I was lucky in that my day job didn't go away. I was able to work from home. So the, um, the experience of the pandemic was sort of eerie here in New York for me, because I, I, I just sort of felt like I was coasting past uh, a, an accident on the freeway where, you know, that was terrible for the people who were really involved or really affected. Um, I, you know, I, I sort of felt lucky and untouched. Um, so it didn't really affect my, my, uh, creative process that much. I, I mean, me, before the pandemic, I used to get up and do a couple hours work in the morning then go to the gym and then go to work. And that was sort of the same. That was, that, that didn't really change during the pandemic. Yeah. that That's, I mean, I think that's, yeah, you're fortunate to have like, a, um, like the, I guess like the nuts and bolts of editing. I mean, that's, you know, like you said, creative in its own way, but it is like, there's a task to be done. Right. Um, and I think that that is helpful going through something. So something we've never gone through before, you know? Um, so yeah. And, yeah. I could do that at home. I didn't need, I didn't need that much, you know, uh, stimulation to do that. I didn't need outside stimulation so much to do that, which I would have, if I were writing, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. That makes sense. Um, Let's see. So the the book comes out pretty soon. Um, we're we're recording this on September thirtieth. I I'm just curious if there's any. Um, I'd, I'd I'd imagine mostly virtual still events, but um, any in person or virtual events that you. Yeah, I do have a few. Okay. I, I, I mean, at the moment, I have a few. It's possible that they'll be canceled. Um, you know, if things get worse, I uh most but um I have a uh a book party here in New York on October 10th. And, uh, and, and, and I'm doing seven readings with um, a woman named Adele Berté, who's a, a musician, but she's written a couple of, uh, she wrote a memoir about her friendship with a musician named Peter Lochner from Cleveland. Okay. And, uh, and she wrote a book about the band LaBelle and their importance called Why LaBelle Matters. And with uh, the other person on these shows is Lucy Sant, who's one of my favorite writers. And 
we're going to be, um, you know, we'll be in New York. We're going to go to LA and San Francisco and Cleveland and Detroit and, and then several couple of readings in the like Woodstock and in the Catskills. That's good. So as long actually, as they don't get canceled. That, no, that's great. I mean, well, hopefully they don't get canceled yet, but that's, um, that's amazing that you're able to, you know, hopefully travel like in person to some of these spots. Um, yeah, that, that's great. Um, yeah, I'm going to be down there in LA October 20th. I don't know. That probably doesn't overlap, but I'll, I'll have to look up and see. No, this isn't, we're not going to be in LA until November 11th. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, well, I'll find links to all these and, and make sure to include as many as I can, just so people, um, you have a lot of LA listeners here so they, they can be aware of, okay. of it. So yeah. Uh, any, just, you know, kind of off the top of my head, any, any new books you've read recently that have really stuck with you? I always like hearing what uh, authors are reading. I'm reading Tao Lin's new novel, which is called Leave Society. And that's a very, um, that's a very interesting book. It feels like he's just uh, stepping out from under any kind of expectations that anyone might have or that he might have had of himself as, as a writer, as a person, as um, it's kind of like he's just starting over and figuring everything out himself, what to eat, what to, how to live. That's very interesting, that, that novel. Um, the other thing that, oh, one of the best things I read in the last couple of years is a novel by an Irish writer named Kevin Barry. And I, he wrote a novel called Last, uh, he wrote a novel called Night Boat to Tangier, which just knocked me out. It's about a couple of, uh, it's like waiting for Godot, but with two junkies instead of two tramps. Oh, cool. Set in uh, in uh, southern Spain, across from Tangier. Mm-hmm. That book, that book, uh, knocked me out like nothing has in many years since I read Jesus' Son. Might have been the last uh, the Dennis Johnson oh, yeah, book that, stories. Book. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got to check that out. I I haven't heard of that one, so I just wrote that down. That's. That's, um, that's great. Yeah, I highly recommend that book. Great. Uh, how about films? Are you, are you a big, you know, you know, there's so much, so many TV shows and I, you know, I kind of go in and out of them. Um, so, I'm, but I'm always looking for recommendations. I talk to a lot of filmmakers too. So I'm always curious, especially, you know, if authors, I talk to some authors who don't watch anything. Um, and then others who are pretty, they keep up on it pretty well. So anything that you'd recommend, um, film wise or, or TV? Well, um, I, I have a friend named Kelly Reichert whose last film first cow, which came out during the pandemic, I would highly recommend first cow. Okay. First cow. That's about the first cow in Oregon. <laughs> first person who brought up, you know, a cow to Oregon as a, as a dairy cow. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, You know, I saw a film actually the other day by Alexander Rockwell called Sweet Thing, which uh, with um, Will Patton and Alexander Rockwell's kids are in this movie. And that is um, that's a pretty amazing little, you know, I don't, I don't know why I said little. It's not little. Um, <laughs> it's a, that's that's an amazing piece of work. And, uh, I, I, but I haven't seen a lot of films lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same here. I, I mean, I, I seem like I've, I was always a big film guy and then now I've just kind of shifted when I do watch stuff, it's mostly, um, TV because I, I am, I just seem I'm very disappointed with, with most films that are out there. I do go to Sundance every year and I always, I always find like a, and, and slam dance. So I go there in person, I always find some great films up there. So that's kind of like my yearly thing. Um, just to kind of find stuff, um, especially like international films. I'm kind of drawn to, towards those when I go. Of course. To that. Yeah. Just cause it, you know, you just, you just exposed to so many different, you know, things. So that's, yeah, that's, uh, that's the TV kind of, uh, thing is, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of a trap. 
No, you wind up watching an autop an autopsy every night before bed. You know, if you watch you watch these um I mean it's sort of there's it has a draw because unlike film, you're seeing these same characters night after night. You don't have to reinvent the wheel every night, you know. Yeah. So I mean, that part of it is nice. Like for instance, with what I write, I don't think what I write would lend itself well to a film because what makes it interesting is the first thing that would go out the window if you were trying to write a script where something has to happen on page 30 and, and on page 60, you know, where I think it would much, it would lend itself more easily to something episodic like a TV show. Mm -hmm. But uh, the problem is for, for us anyway, we wind up watching a lot of, watch a lot of crime shows. So it's like you spend every night with the cops you know, or it's, it's, and it's all, they're all kind of same and kind of ugly. Yeah. Uh, you know what, you know, what's a great show. One of my favorite shows maybe of all time is Detectorists. Have what's you ever seen that show? What, what's it called? It's called Detectorists. No, I don't think I've even heard of it. This guy, it's an English show okay. by this guy, Mackenzie Crook, who was in the original version of the office. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I know he's the like the thin guy, right? Blonde. Right. Sort okay. of. a Yes. Okay. He has kind of a crazy haircut in that one uh -huh. and uh, sort of a, you know, a sharp face. Yeah. And uh, but, it, but this he directed and stars in. And wrote. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it's him and another guy kind of out in the fields. Uh, they live in a part of rural England, very beautiful part of rural England, and they're convinced that they're going to that they're sitting on top of a Saxon gold hoard. So they're just out there in the fields with their metal detectors looking, you know, for gold. But this but, you know, having conversations and um, it's really charming, beautiful uh, and, and very funny. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I am. Um, I think I have a I, I bet you would like that. No, that sounds like my my cup of tea. And then I, I was just thinking, like, what, with your stuff, at least what, it, you know, the the jacket weather it seems almost like a it could be like a, a Jim Jarmusch movie, you know, um, yeah, it's, I, it has that feel to me. I, I get that. Yeah, sure. I get that connection because it's <laughs> sort of, you know, there's there's some space in it and there's there's some room to breathe and it's a little bit elliptical. Right. Everything right. is not uh, connected. Mm -hmm. No, I like that. I like that. Um, it, it just makes me think that, like, I don't know about you, but with, like with me during the pandemic, so I'm a, I'm a high school teacher and, you know, we got I, I was still working, but it was online. We got shut down um, in March. So we didn't finish that school year. Uh, we did have to go. We did go back this past year and then we're back now, of course. But like when I was home every day with my dogs, I just found myself uh, like watching like just binging things. And I, you know, I hate that word binge. It just sounds, it's just such a, it's not, a I healthy, know, I understand. It's not a healthy word. <laughs> right. I, I always say it so lightly. Um, I mean, I, I use it, whatever. And I do it, but uh, I heard a really cool interview with um, Quentin Tarantino. Cause he, he put out that uh, once upon a time in Hollywood and a novelization of his movie. So uh, that was pretty cool, but he was talking about TV and you know, how his career could have taken a different path. Uh, he, he, you know, he could have ended up directing episodic TV and he would have been just happy doing that, he said. Uh, but he was he was talking about different shows that he likes. He doesn't watch a lot of stuff, but he says he, he cuts it at two episodes a night. He won't go beyond two because then when you fall into that binging category, uh, it, it all just kind of blends together and it's easy to forget. Um, He's right. The He's specifics. He... Yeah. Sure. He's right. It's like having, you know, it's like the first two cigarettes are good, yeah. but the, you know, the rest of the pack yeah. just goes by <laughs> Yeah, and you so don't, enjoy, you don't, you don't enjoy them. We, yeah. we watch, we turn on shows. I don't know how many times we've turned on shows and watched the first 20 minutes and thought we saw this whole series. We watched <laughs> same, this whole thing already. Same here. <laughs> I'm glad it's not just me and my wife. Yeah. Um. <laughs> no, I think we're all doing that. <laughs> I think, you know, part of the part of the thing with TV is that I had no I, I I had no interest in TV. I didn't watch any TV, hardly any TV growing up. 
or as a young adult. I never watched any t- TV until The Sopranos came on when all of a sudden it was like, OK, this is something new. This is a different thing. But that set the bar very high. Yeah. And there hasn't any been anything like that. But, you know, we're all kind of like rattling around looking for something to be like that again. And, you know, something like that only comes along once in a once in a long time. Oh, yeah. I'm um, I'm curious to see this new you know, the new, the new movie that's going to be on, um, yeah, you know, with his, um, yeah. that should be interesting. I'm, I'm a little nervous. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it'll be good, but it's like when you have something that loved and epic and just such a powerful, you know, series, yeah, like you said, it's like, it's unlike anything else on TV. Um, it's, I think it stands alone, you know, and it's, um, it's, it's scary when someone touches it again, even if someone, who was directly involved with it, you know, like 20 years later, they, they go back at it, revisit it. It always scares me, you know? So hopefully, hopefully it ends up being good. I, I'm, I can't wait to see it though myself. But it's sort of a whole different thing, right? It's like we were talking about, this is going to be something with a plot. It's not going to be something where you, the, the whole pleasure of the series is not, it has nothing to do with what happens or who kills who. Right. Right. It's hanging out with those people. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. It reminds me of like the, I don't know if you watch Breaking Bad, but um, so like the Breaking Bad series, you know, I I love that show. And then they made uh, a movie on a Netflix. I didn't see movie. the movie. And, you know, it was like, did you watch Breaking Bad when it was on? Yes. Okay. Yes. So it's, you know, uh, again, like a, a beloved TV show and just like so, so intense. And the movie was, you know, it was, it was enjoyable, but it was, to, to me, it was like it didn't have to be done, you know. Right. Uh, but it, you know, it was it was okay. It no, it was nice, but it didn't have, you know, these like they catch lightning in a bottle during like the, the the time period that they're making the series. So it's like you can't recapture that, right? Years later, even if it's really good, and it was. Um. But yeah, it was. It just made me laugh because it has like a flashback with Walter White and like, um. Brian Cranston is clearly older. They've kind of like tried to make right, up right. him. So it's like it's, to me, it was just kind of funny. But I watched it once. You know, I don't. I won't watch it again. Uh, I've re, I've rewatched Re- Breaking Bad a couple times. So um, and you like you said, you, yeah, and you go to the you go to the characters like you know once you especially with these tense shows you know what's going to happen but you go back for the the you know the acting the the dialogue right. all that all that good stuff and so um yeah and that's that's rare to find and there's so much it's insane how much tv like there's so much tv it's it's overwhelming uh i have to like kind of check myself especially when i have time off from work teaching where i have like a block of like a week or two at a time off i have to <laughs> check myself not just to stop right yeah exactly right that's 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 what we're that's where we're all at (laughs) you got to remember to live your life yeah you know yeah (laughs) yeah so true (laughs) um let's see what else i feel like i went on a tangent there for a minute but i uh let me think about um Anything, I don't know, anything else uh, of interest that you want to talk about? Uh, I know we're kind of, we're all still kind of, like I said, with the pandemic, we're kind of coming out of it, but it's still like, you know, there's a, a, a lot of unknowns. I guess there's always unknowns, but now especially you know, the climate just seems so up in the air and nothing surprises me anymore. So I'm just curious how it is, you know, in, in your perspective in, in, in Manhattan right now um how, like what's the what's the tone of it out there i don't feel like i have any perspective on it i don't mm-hmm. feel like i'm uh, you know um separate from it all or above it in enough to be to have really have any perspective i'm just down here you know with the you know getting whatever scraps of news and information float down to me like everybody else you know it's yeah. i mean manhattan doesn't feel so, I mean, if, if everybody weren't wearing masks or if, 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 if a lot of people weren't wearing masks, I, I'm not sure you would necessarily know. Um, things are quiet at night, so that's a difference. We were just remarking on that last night because you used to hear sirens and, you know, just traffic and noise and people. You don't hear that. <laughs> it's very quiet at night. 
Um, and there's a lot of homeless people and an, an edge of desperation um, to them. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's more palpable maybe than it was mm-hmm. uh, before the pandemic. But, you know, restaurants are open. Everybody's eating. You know, everybody's on the sidewalk eating and, you know, uh, and that's supposed to not go away. I mean, they're talking about keeping these sort of sidewalk kiosks going that they have now. Um, And, uh, you know, we haven't been to a movie, but people are going to theater. Or I guess they have they were starting to go to theater. I just read tonight that they shut down a production of Aladdin after one night. I read that just before I got on this call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I don't, I don't feel like I have any idea though, when this is going to change or end. Do you No, I mean, I'm in, I'm in Salt Lake city. So definitely, I don't know if you've ever been here, but definitely, um, very different from a lot of places, you know, for better, or for worse. Uh, but I, I've noticed that, you know, I live, right outside of downtown. I lived in downtown for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. And the homeless population has like, just from, I mean, I don't, I don't know numbers or anything, but just, just going around like the areas that I would go around. Um, it's like, it's blown up. So it's like, there's yeah. like little city, you know, tent cities, which was never a thing in, in Salt Lake. And so I'm seeing lo- little pockets of that all over. And it just, um, it just has this, yeah, this, that's a perfect way to put it. This like kind of an air of desperation. Um, so it's, it's kind of an eerie, uh, feeling. I think, I think Salt Lake is kind of the downtown area is always kind of an interesting place because, um, like, like on Sundays, it's a ghost town. It always has yeah. been. It's just like, yeah. it's like, like nothing's going on. It's gotten a little better in the last 10 years. But, mm-hmm. um, I think, the problem here is like, I, I think most people act like nothing's happening. So people aren't wearing masks. Like everything's, you know, going on as business as usual. But people like the the hospitals are are overcrowded. They're packed. People are dying every day. So yeah. there's like there's this weird disconnect from what I'm like seeing on the news and just how um, people are behaving. So just utter like I just feel confused. I'm like I same thing. I'm like I have no idea. I have no idea what's going on. And I guess like if anyone says they do know, then they're, they, they're full of it, but <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it, it is curious to see it. Like I was talking, like we mentioned Tony Duchesne, just talking to him about Los Angeles and I'll be down there in a couple of weeks. And, uh, he, you know, I think they're, it's kind of getting back to, you know, where it was. Will that be the first time you're on a plane or are you driving? I, I, I'm going to fly. I flew out there in uh, June as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, a, it's a little under two hours of a flight. Um, when I flew, when I flew then in June, they had everyone staggered like every other, every other seat, but I don't think they're doing that anymore. I think they're just packing us and like, and it's a big free for all now. Yeah. Every, <laughs> we all decided that we're just tired of waiting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we're vaccinated, those of us who are, and yeah. we're, you know, we're just not going to, we're not going to stand for this anymore. And we're just going to do what we're going to do. Yeah. I mean, I catch myself doing that. And, and I watch myself and think, I, you know, we went to a gallery last week, a gallery opening. So there was a, it was packed in this place. And because nobody was wearing a mask, I took my mask off. Right. You would think that it would be the opposite, but <laughs> you know, and I was sort of, you know, having conversations with people and watching myself at the same time, thinking, you idiot, why are you not, you know, this is going to be a super spreader event, this this opening. <laughs> Luckily, it wasn't. But I mean, it, you know, I, I, I don't know. I sort of feel like I'm not thinking that carefully about it as carefully as I should be. I, I feel the same way. And I think that's it's because. um it's like even if you want to, like I think we're just, we're just fried, you know. Like right. we we're not trying to like, it, it, like making intentionally like going against it, but it's like my brain just feels like fried. Right. I, I notice I've noticed the last um, six months in particular, like I'm very forgetful. Like I lock my keys in my car, like the first day back oh. at work, just like just stuff that I don't that I don't totally. do. Yeah, and it's like okay, this is um. 
there's a sensory overload, you know? And, yeah. And, and I it's think like it's like early just, senility. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, a, that's what I feel like. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. So I think it's just, um, you know, and then you have people like, like where I live in, in the city itself, it's pretty, I would say it's split like, um, 50 50 Democrat Republican, but the state itself is like 90, 95%, um, red. And so, you yeah, have, you know, you have a lot of like, um, anger and don't tell me what to do. And, you know, right. so that there's that kind of venom, um, being spit out there. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So it is, I think our, my brain, at least I've been working on a novel for a while and I just, I just feel like I'm kind of like going on a hamster wheel right now, the last few months, you know, cause it's like, it's, it's just been, it's been a struggle, but you need um, some inspiration maybe. I mean, you need, yeah. maybe you need to see something new. Well, that's, yeah, that's, there you go right there. So I think, um, I, and I, and I haven't, I think it's been, you know, day, every day kind of bleeds into the next and, of course. Um, so yeah, I think it'd be good to, um, I think the best thing I did, we went, we went up to Idaho, um, in August and we did a, air, uh, off grid Airbnb. So yeah. it was only like 10 miles outside of Idaho falls, um, Idaho, but it took us about an hour to get there. Cause it was just all windy up this like incredible dirt road. And you were just, it, you were cut off from everything. And there was, I bet like, it was beautiful, right? It was incredible. Yeah. And like, my wife saw a couple cougars, freaked her out on a hike. Wow. Um, so she got back to the house. But there, every every morning, um, you know, a bunch of cows would just come through, <laughs> like walk right by my car. It was just like, it was awesome. But I think that was kind of like a, it felt like a bit of a reset, even though we were only there for a couple of days. But it was like, it was something new, you know, and it wasn't. Oh, that's all you away. need. That's all you need. It's just like even in uh, before the pandemic, you know, mm -hmm. just in your daily life. Sometimes all you need to do is walk a different way to work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and you think, why don't I do this every day? Why yeah. don't I every day choose a different route or something? Um, yeah. you know, we fall back into ruts very easily. Um, but, uh, you know, it, and so you forget how easy it is to get out of them. All you need to do is just a little thing. Right. Yeah. It's like yeah. That, that old saying about a change being as good as a rest. Yeah. I love that. Now, I, I was talking to a guy, a writer, um, a couple months back and he was like, we were, we were talking about the pandemic and he said, I just go, I just go take my dog for different walks. You know, I go for different walks and, and that's, that's right. all, that's all I need, you know, just seeing like, overhearing conversation and, and just like, that's, that's all I need is just a little, exactly. A walk. So I think, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta jump into that. Um, I think the best, the best thing I enjoyed was like when I went to LA in June, I was up on, um, up in the old like Hollywood land neighborhood, Beachwood Canyon. Mm -hmm. And I was up there um, having breakfast and my, my friend suggested, why don't you just take a walk? And I was staying in East LA. And so I ended up just walking the whole way. Like it took me, I don't know, I think probably a couple hours when it was said done. I had blisters all over my feet, but mm -hmm. I like, I had such a blast. Like I, you know, I've driven those streets so many times when I'm out there and it was just, I saw so many new things, stuff I had never noticed. And I was like, like you said, totally. inspired. It was so cool. Totally. Yeah. There's nothing like walking yeah. for that. Yeah. For sure. In fact, I'm reading a book about that called In Praise of Walking, which is all about the uh, the neurological effects of walking. Um, oh, wow. And uh, yeah, that's, oh, I shouldn't have brought it up because now I can't remember the guy's name. I'll put his, I'll look it up and put his name. <laughs> uh, <that way. laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, that's, um, that's that's a big thing for me is just walking, walking without a destination, especially, you know, not walking yeah. because you have to go to the store to, to buy something. Right. You know, just walking without a destination, even if it's just, uh, you know, half an hour or something. It really uh, it really, uh, you know, it's restorative. Yeah, no, it's true. Like I um, I think about like some of the like the the happiest time in my life or at least like. Um, I just felt like electrically charged almost. I was living in Boston for six months um, and I knew I wasn't going to be there very long. So every couple of days when I would take the train, I would just take it to a different spot that I had never been to. And I would get, Oh, I love doing and I would that. just walk all around, you know, get lost. And it was like, right. I just, 
I just felt so much mentally sharper and happier and satisfied. So right, right, yeah, that's cool. That I mean, I mean, in, in New York, even if you like you've lived there a long time, you're always. Pro- I'd imagine um, you can always find new things out there. Yeah, you you can, but you know, wherever you are, you it's easy to just something about us. You know, our wheels just kind of head for the ditch. You know, we're like kind of always looking for a rut. So, um, but, you know, we did the same thing. For instance, last Sunday, we took the train to Bay Ridge. We went to a little Sicilian place that I had read about, and we went for a walk in um, in this park, this little park that nobody ever talks about called Owl's Head Park. We walked in, there was a mariachi band playing over here, like in full charo suits, playing to a big family picnic. They were over here and the, uh, and then over here were all, all these Hasidim that were riding around on scooters and trying to fly kites. It was like a totally Brooklyn scene, oh, that's you incredible. know? Yeah. Um, but I mean, it was just the best day. We couldn't yeah. even say why it was such a great day, but we just kept saying this was such a great day. And all we had to do is take the train to Brooklyn, you know, <laughs> that part's the easy part. The, the, the hard part is remembering to do that. Right. Remembering that you can do that. Yeah. No, this is like, this is good. I'm glad, I'm glad we're kind of like wrapping up on this point. Cause this is like, this is so true. I think, you know, when I, I, I drive to work every morning and it's, you know, it's dark and I almost feel like there's a big groove in my brain from that that, that <laughs> right that, that route I've taken so many times. Totally, I, you know, yeah. It's uh, a physiological thing that yeah. happens in your brain, right? I mean, you when you when you do something new, you're making new connections, physiological yeah. connections in yeah. your head. Right? I got to get that book. That sounds that sounds incredible. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, yeah. Anything? I guess that I think that's a good point to end. Anything else you want to mention? Um, about no, jacket weather and that's a sort of a good point to end on because that's yeah. a, sort of what the book is about to me yeah. <laughs> uh, you know just uh walking somewhere and keeping your eyes open without a destination necessarily yeah that's great well mike thank you so much for for taking the thank time you, this, Tyler. this is very enjoyable so um i will put this up uh the day before the book comes out and make sure to spread the word as much as i can um, Thanks so much. Absolutely. Like I said, I love the book and I can't wait to jump back into your um, your past work. So that's really exciting for me to dig into um, some writing. I know I'm going to I'm, I'm going to I'm going to love. So thank you for that. I hope you enjoy it. Give me a call sometime if you come to New York. I will. Absolutely. Thank you so much. OK. OK. Take care. Thank you, Kyle. OK. Bye. Bye bye.